Tonight we shall discuss Dhamman Nupasana Satipatthana, namely the mindful contemplation of uh, Dhammas and uh, out of those different Dhammas mentioned under uh, this certain uh, contemplation we uh, shall uh, deal uh, with the hindrances in particular one or two of the uh, hindrances and Dhammanupasana Satipatthana is uh, the last and fourth and last uh, of the four establishments of uh, mindfulness and in essence it's uh, the mindful uh, contemplation of uh, well dhammas and we shall later on see that uh, this term to represents some difficulties in the interpretation and We'll go into that in a, in a few moments. Now, what does the Satipatthana Sutta say directly about this Dhammanupasana? Namely, concerning the contemplation of Dhammas, a meditator knows whether one of the five hindrances is present in him or her or not, knows how it arises, how it is overcome, and how in future it does no more arise. And a meditator then also knows the nature of each of the five groups, namely the khandhas, how they arise, how they are dissolved. And a meditator knows the twelve bases of all mental activities, the ayatanas, the eye and the visible object, the ear and the audible object, and so on, the mind and uh, the mind object. And a meditator knows the fetters based on them, knows how they arise, how they are overcome, and how in future they do no more arise. A meditator knows whether one of the seven factors of enlightenment uh, is present uh, in uh, the person or not, knows how it arises and how it comes to full uh, development. And each of the Four Noble Truths, uh, you know, the such as you know, a meditator understands according to uh, reality. Now, the components of uh, this uh, Dhamma Nupasana are you know, given as uh, the five hindrances, the contemplation of the five hindrances, the contemplation of the five aggregates, and um, you know, then the contemplation of uh, the you know, six sense spheres, so you know, covering the visible objects uh, as well as the you know, corresponding uh, eye or eye sensitivity, and then the same thing, you know, sound and so the ear, door, and so on. And so then we have the seven enlightenment factors or awakening factors and so then the four noble truths. Now, the term Dhamma in our compound term Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana can assume 
many kinds of mean, different you know, meanings depending on where it is or in which context it is being used. And various translations have been proposed for this term, Dhamma, namely as such as certain states of mind. So to some, then this contemplation here is about contemplation of states of mind. But certainly this conflicts with Chitta Nupassana, which we have discussed in one of the earlier Dhamma talks. Now, various translations have been proposed, such as facts in general, or phenomena, or patterns of events, or conditions, principles, or categories of the Dhamma, or a group of teachings. And the Patisambhidamaga, the path of discrimination, proposes to simply use or to simply interpret the term as meaning anything that does not come under Gaya Nupasana, under Vedna Nupasana, and Chitta Nupasana. So, under the contemplation of the body, feelings, and the mind. And when Silananda in his book Foundations, Four Foundations of Mindfulness, proposes to leave the term Dhamma untranslated, since the meanings or since different things can be understood under this term. And Venerable Analayotna follows this suggestion. And in the Mahasi tradition of Vipassana meditation, the usual way of interpreting this term is as just a mindful contemplation of general activities, such as seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, bending, and so on, bending, stretching, and so on. Now, when we look at what is mentioned already in the Satipatthana Sutta itself, then we find that some of these, or then the hindrances, aggregates, sense spheres, awakening factors, and noble truths, can be divided up into two different categories. Namely, some of them represent specific mental qualities, whereas others represent specific categories. So the five hindrances and the enlightenment factors are or have to do with specific mental qualities, whereas the remaining, the aggregates, the sense spheres, and the noble truths cover specific categories of teachings. Now, what happens in the meditation practice is that 
at certain times, one will be aware of maybe one of the hindrances, and as such it falls under citta nupasana satipatthana. And then maybe another hindrance arises, one is also aware of these, and it still falls under citta nupasana. Satipatthana, if one knows the, you know, the presence or the you know, absence of a particular you know, state. However, if one realizes that you know, the five hindrances have arisen in one's practice, and one you know, then contemplates uh, these hindrances in a more detailed manner, you know, as outlined in the you know, Satipatthana Sutta itself, you know, then you know, this would qualify as Dhammanupasana Satipatthana. And we, will, we shall go into you know, this uh, a little bit uh, more. Now, the f- five or you know, you know, the you know, groups of teachings uh, that have been uh, mentioned under Dhammanupasana are arranged in a very specific order, and so, namely starting with the hindrances, which usually do occur first. Uh, at the beginning of one's meditation practice, and then in the course of one's practice, they reoccur at different points. And as one continues to meditate, one will then gradually also become more and more familiar with the five aggregates. And thus, these are mentioned second. And and then in the course of the practice, a meditator will also you know, realize you know, or will have to deal you know, with uh, the you know, different uh, sense doors and the respective uh, sense uh, objects. You know, hence, you know, the ayatanas you know, are you know, mentioned uh, next. And as a meditator you know, then continues to, to contemplate and uh, in particular, during you know, the arising of the uh, fourth insight knowledge and its uh, tender you know, phase, well, you know, some of or the you know, enlightenment factors you know, then uh, for the first time come to you know, prominence. And then as one continues you know, to practice later on, in, in particular you know, during the you know, 10th and 11th insight knowledge, will the enlightenment factors become very predominant. And and since these enlightenment factors are not that predominant at the very outset of the practice, are they mentioned somewhat towards the end under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana. And when all the enlightenment factors are present and uh, well-developed you know, uh, and all necessary conditions are you know, given, uh, then you know, you know, awakening takes place and with this you know, the Four Noble Truths uh, are uh, understood and all of them, not just the first uh, you know, two. Hence, the order these uh, uh, you know, different uh, aspects uh, as mentioned under Dhammanupasana uh, is or are given has uh, 
you know, quite a significance which you know, correlates with what is happening uh, in, a, in a sequential manner in one's meditation practice. Now, in the contemplation of the mind, Chitta Nupasana, it was outlined that a meditator knows a mind affected by lust as affected by lust, and a mind free of lust as free of lust. And a meditator, furthermore, knows a mind affected by ill will or hatred as affected by ill will, and a mind free of ill will as free of ill will. And then it goes on like this with delusion, and then a contracted mind is known as contracted mind, and a distracted mind is known as such. And so in other words, Chitta Nupasana is merely about the presence of some unwholesome mental state or or consciousness and or the presence of a wholesome mundane consciousness and not more than this. However, when we take a look at the instructions given under the Nivaranas, the hindrances, as part of Dhammanupasana Satipatthana, we find uh, more details. And there it says, if an essential desire is present in a meditator, he or she knows there is sensual desire in me. If sensual desire is not present, a meditator knows that it is not present in him or her. And a meditator knows how unarisen sensual desire can arise, how arisen sensual desire can be removed, and how a future arising of the removed sensual desire can be prevented. And then the same thing for the hindrance of ill will, for the hindrance of sloth and torpor, and then for the hindrance of restlessness and worry, and then also for the hindrance of skeptical doubt. Now, when we analyze this particular instruction from the Satipatthana Sutta, then we find well, two different categories of instructions here. Namely, first of all, with regard to each and every hindrance, whether it is present or absent. And so if one of the hindrances is present, then as a next step, uh, to a meditator is called to know the conditions that lead to the arising of that certain particular uh, hindrance. So the cause is certain for it. And so if a hindrance 
or sorry, if it is arising. And in this next case, then, if it is certainly present, then one knows the conditions that lead certainly to its removal. And if the particular hindrance has been temporarily removed, one knows the conditions that prevent future arising. So, what we have here are far more you know, detailed certain instructions as under uh, Chitta Nupasana Satipatthana. Now, in general, we can you know, say about some, you know, the hindrances that those are mental, you know, particular mental states or you know, factors that occur in the meditation practice. And what do you think? Are the hindrances limited only to Vipassana meditation? Uh, they are not. So if they are not limited you know, to Vipassana, then where else do they arise? Everywhere. <laughs> well, that's actually a nice answer. Well, um, indeed, the hindrances arise in Vipassana meditation. They also occur you know, in the context of samatha bhavana, namely mental development you know, through you know, tranquility or calm practice. And then, as uh, you know, one you know, psychologist has uh, you know, pointed out to you know, uh, in a small you know, publication which was published by the Buddhist uh, Publication Society in Kandy, you know, Sri Lanka, many years ago, the hindrances, you know, well, very much occur also during our daily life. And that particular psychologist analyzed uh, you know, the five hindrances in the context of, uh, uh, well, a relationship. And uh, you know, saying that all you know, five hindrances uh, you know, may you know, govern uh, a relationship you know, between uh, husband and wife uh, and uh, uh, partners. And so these uh, you know, five hindrances are known as such you know, because they hinder. Now, in the context of uh, you know, the Vipassana practice, they hinder you know, the development of uh, wisdom, the unfolding of uh, you know, wisdom, whereas in uh, the uh, context of uh, you know, Samatha Bhavana, they hinder the development or the arising of uh, concentration. So slightly you know, different uh, emphasis uh, here. And when one has never meditated certainly uh, before and one first comes on a retreat, one is sure or one is certain to experience these five hindrances. And the Visuddhimagga points out that they're almost all meditators are bound to experience the hindrances 
you know, ex at the very beginning of Utner retreat, except you know, for uh, which kind of people? And I'm saying at the beginning of the retreat. One particular condition. Well, this question. Huh? Skeptical doubt? No, 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 no. Uh, well, skeptical doubt, yeah, no, no you're, what you're saying is correct. Yeah, that's correct. Well, another point yeah, that the Visuddhi Magga is making is a stream entrance, so called Sotapanna, is certainly said uh, not to. Uh, after the you know, attainment, uh, is said not to um, experience the first, the second, and the third insight knowledge uh, again. And so thus, you know, a Sotapanna is said unto, when he or she you know, does the next retreat, you know, to start with the fourth insight knowledge. And if that is the case, you know, then you know, usually the hindrances are not predominant. So there is, uh, in fact, uh, a difference between you know, meditators uh, you know, who are starting with the meditation practice all, uh, you know, all, or all fresh, and some, you know, those meditators who uh, who are already you know, very experienced and uh, have uh, gained uh, you know, some or have gained the Dhamma to some uh, degree. Having said this, it doesn't mean uh, that uh, you know, um, a stream enter will no longer experience you know, the hindrances. You know, you know, this is not uh, the case. You know, the hindrance of a sense desire of ill will, of restlessness, and uh, uh, of sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse, you know, will still you know, come up. And uh, as Paul pointed out, you know, skeptical down you know, no more uh, exists. Now, the, the five hindrances can be said, and as explained by Venerable Analayo in his book, Santipatthana, uh, on which uh, this talk is based to some extent, um, points out that the five or the three unwholesome roots manifest in different ways and here as the five hindrances. So the hindrance of sense desire clearly can be linked to the unwholesome root of the sense of greed, lava, the hindrance of ill will, can be you know, related or connected you know, to the unwholesome root of uh, ill will or anger, dosa, and then you know, the hindrance of uh, sloth and satna torpor. You know, these two you know, come under ignorance, namely, whenever ignorance is present you know, in uh, the mind, then 
uh, all of the other uh, or uh, then the other hindrances uh, will be uh, present and uh, hence this covers then sloth and torpor and it also covers uh, restlessness and uh, worry as well as uh, the skeptical doubt and the hindrances are also uh, referred to as hindrances because they disturb or because they hinder the proper functioning of uh, the mind. Now, a mind that is free of the hindrances will do its work in a well proper manner. However, as some of the texts are pointing out, when the hindrances are present, then it is difficult for a person to remember verses that one has memorized and is trying to then recite. And it is also mentioned in the text that under the influence of the five hindrances, one will neither know one's own benefit, nor the benefit of others, nor of both. And so as a result of this, it's difficult to gain concentration or insight. Now, when you know, the hindrances uh, occur, such as anger or you know, sense desire or even sloth and torpor and you know, the remaining ones, then from a meditator's point of view, you know, this uh, may you know, be not necessary or may not be a very pleasant uh, uh, experience. However, um, you know, when we look at it, now, from a Dhamma point of view, then this is wonderful because a meditator gains an opportunity to get really familiar, close with those hindrances and then gets an opportunity to study their nature and also to study ways and means of overcoming them. So sometimes a hindrance in action is after all not that bad. There's many things we can learn from them. And among the things we can learn from the hindrances is to, well, gain the skill or develop the skill of withstanding you know, those hindrances, not to be influenced by you know, them uh, as easily as we you know, usually uh, are affected by them. And the more you know, we practice, the more we learn you know, to observe you know, these, observe and you know, to know 
you know, these hindrances uh, with uh, an increasing amount of uh, detachment. And, so, uh, and when we do this, you know, then we see those hindrances as uh, just uh, another uh, mental event that arises in the stream of consciousness, and this is all. You know, no particular reactivity is uh, there. Now, in the Samyutta Nikaya, the connected discourses uh, of uh, you know, the Buddha, we you know, find um, the enlightenment factors being, or the hindrances being, contrasted with the enlightenment uh, factors. And uh, very clearly is uh, said that uh, the you know, five hindrances you know, very much hinder you know, the you know, further development of one's certain meditation practice and you know, hinder you know, enlightenment or awakening you know, from you know, taking place. But once you know, the hindrances have been overcome, you know, then uh, enlightenment you know, becomes uh, quite possible. Now, in the text, the Buddha gives several, or at least two, sets of similes for the five hindrances. And one of them is that he compares the hindrances to, or a mind that is overwhelmed, afflicted, you know, by you know, the hindrances you know, to water. And you know, trying to you know, see one's own reflection of uh, maybe one's face or so uh, in uh, water. Now, when one tries to do so, and uh, you know, then the water is mixed in with uh, you know, plenty of uh, you know, dyes, or in you know, colors, you know, then it will be you know, difficult to perceive one's own you know, reflection. And hence, a mind that is sort of overcome by you know, sense desire is compared you know, to you know, water mixed in you know, with various certain kinds of dyes. And a mind afflicted by ill will is certain compared you know, to you know, boiling water. Now, in boiling water, again, it will be difficult you know, to see you know, the reflection of uh, one's uh, own you know, face. And so, indeed, you know, when you know, anger is present in the mind, you know, then uh, the mind is, uh, uh, well, it's burning, it's boiling, and it's definitely not a pleasant certain state to be in. Now, different is the case certainly, for you know, sloth and torpor. A mind uh, 
in which sloth and torpor has arisen. The Buddha compares it to water which is covered by mosses and algae. And in such water that is covered by mosses, again, it's difficult to see one's own reflection. Likewise, a mind in which sloth and torpor has arisen, with such a mind, it's difficult when one is observing some predominant object to know the nature of this predominant object. And a mind that is affected by restlessness and worry is compared to water whipped up by wind, agitated by the wind. And with an agitated mind through restlessness and worry, again, it will be difficult to know the true nature of an object. And finally, the Buddha compares a mind in which skeptical doubt has arisen to water which is turbid and muddy. And in some turbid or muddy water, it will be difficult to see the reflection of one's face. Likewise, a mind that is overwhelmed by skeptical doubt, that is wavering, going between this option and another option and possibly yet another option, well, with such a mind, it will be difficult to know the nature of the predominant object of observation. Now, when it comes to working with the hindrances, to being mindful of the hindrances, the first step as outlined outlined in our instructions under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana is to know the presence or absence of the hindrances. And simply to recognize that one or the other hindrance has arisen will already make a big, big difference when it comes to one's meditation practice. And to cite an, an example for this from the Buddha's time, namely, Venerable Anuruddha, uh, was uh, in a conversation with uh, the elder Sariputta, and uh, he points out uh, to the elder Sariputta that despite of uh, the fact uh, that he has gained concentrative attainments and that he has unshaken energy and uh, very well-established mindfulness, yet he is not gaining uh, full realization. And so, so, Venerable Anuruddha, with this statement, obviously 
you know, is still you know, thinking highly of his own meditation practice, not realizing you know, that you know, possibly you know, something is you know, wrong here. And so immediately upon this statement by Venerable Anuruddha, the elder Sariputta you know, points out, dear friend in the Dhamma, what you consider you know, to be cons- concentrative attainments, your belief in having concentrative attainments is nothing other than pride and conceit. And so what you take for unshaken energy is nothing other than restlessness. And then furthermore, your concern about not having fully realized the Dhamma is nothing other than worry. And so basically, the elder Sariputta points out that unwholesome mental states have arisen in Venerable Anuruddha's mind. And so Venerable Anuruddha then acknowledges this, goes back to his meditation practice, and shortly after, after this, you know, realizes you know, full, um, uh, well, or realizes you know, the Dhamma fully. So this then you know, shows that simply just the recognition of the presence of uh, hindrance or any of the other, other unwholesome you know, mental states you know, already makes a big you know, difference and certainly can pave the way you know, to uh, realization of uh, the Dhamma. Now, when it comes you know, to the meant to the hindrance or mental defilement of anger. Sometimes meditators may find themselves in a vicious circle. Namely, some some pain arises and then while observing the pain and the pain is getting stronger, you know, sooner or later, aversion arises towards you know, this pain. Uh, aversion or, in a milder form, you know, irritation uh, arises. And it doesn't stop here. And then a meditator might get angry, that, you know, angry over the fact that there is aversion towards you know, the pain. And so, so then even though the object changes at first, the object for the anger changes, so at first it's irritation towards the pain, and then it's irritation or anger towards the irritation. And so the anger remains the same, the object changes. And sometimes meditators get into this kind of uh, vicious circle and one has to be aware of this and pull oneself uh, out of it. And similar examples could be given. Sometimes meditators get angry uh, about, or or, 
let's say maybe uh, restlessness arises in the stream of consciousness so one is aware of this and then after a while there's anger towards uh, the arising of uh, restlessness and so uh, so one unwholesome mental state leads uh, to uh, the next Now, the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta under Dhammanupasana, Satipatthana outline that one should know not only the presence of the hindrances, but also the absence of uh, the hindrances. And this too can be of uh, a particular value. Now, when the hindrances have disappeared from one's stream of temporarily disappeared from one's stream of consciousness, then they may entail the arising of a number of wholesome mental states. And in the Diganikaya, as well as in other places, there is a stock phrase or formula which describes how the absence of the hindrances may lead to the arising of gladness, pamoja in the Pani scriptural language, which is a minor form, a weaker form of joy and rapture. And this gladness in turn then turns into or may turn into Know, the arising of joy and rapture, piti, and when piti uh, is certainly present for a while, uh, then and certainly gradually you know, it matures more and more and be- or becomes more and more you know, refined, you know, then it leads certain to you know, the stilling of the body and the mind. In other words, tranquility, pasadi arises, and. The uh, stilling or calming of the body is a prerequisite for the stilling of uh, the mind. And uh, this then, when both of the body and mind have become calm and peaceful, then uh, this then paves the way for the arising of sukha, of happiness. Happiness, uh, contentment, uh, a sense of well-being, ease, and so on. And the arising of happiness, sukha, then um, is the cause for the arising of of another mental state. And which one is this? Who knows? Not quite yet. Yes, is correct. Concentration. And so, uh, so samadhi. And the samadhi, you know, the concentration in turn, you know, is uh, you know, the, the you know, unification of the mind is uh, you know, then the proximate cause for the arising of uh, uh, wisdom. Now, this certain uh, particular uh, situation of uh, first encountering the absence of the hindrances and uh, then the arising of gladness, of joy, of 
you know, then of you know, tranquility, of happiness, and finally of uh, concentration, uh, occurs, for instance, in the first insight knowledge. And it's a very common you know, pattern, and you know, when listening to you know, the reports presented by you know, beginning meditators during the interviews, you know, then it's very obvious how a meditator you know, first you know, has to you know, face you know, the hindrances and work with them, battle them, and you know, then eventually you know, the hindrances subside. And once you know, they've you know, disappeared, you know, then usually then this is the absence of the hindrances is a, you know, a reason for gladness, and that's an, a normal uh, reaction. There's yet another reason that might contribute to the arising of gladness, namely the absence of uh, you know, stronger pains, pains and aches in you know, the body. So this particular sequence occurs not only in the first certain insight knowledge, but also um, in the fourth end of third insight knowledge and uh, fourth insight knowledge. Now, during the third insight knowledge, there's the you know, phase where you know, the unsatisfactoriness is very predominant, namely the dukkha. So there are plenty of physical pains and aches, plenty of unwholesome mental states, namely uh, in the form of, which come in the form of the hindrances. And then as the practice moves on, you know, the hindrances subside and they give way you know, to you know, the arising of some wholesome mental states. And the wholesome mental states are frequently you know, joy or gladness, you know, gladness, joy, you know, tranquility, and happiness, and you know, the happiness eventually leads to you know, concentration. And a similar phenomenon can also be observed in the in the higher insight knowledges, namely in the knowledge of observation, and then leading on to the knowledge of equanimity about certain formations. Now, in the text, it is said that the absence, the temporary absence of the hindrances. You know, in you know, the stream of consciousness, you know, then leads to a luminous uh, mind. And you know, when checking you know, whether this statement is really true and corresponds you know, with what meditators certainly experience, you know, then uh, sometimes I, I ask whether the mind is really you know, uh, clear or not, and certain meditators do uh, agree that it's quite clear. Now, when it comes to the presence of the hindrances, they occur in the first insight knowledge you know, frequently. You know, then you know, they also occur in the third insight knowledge, as mentioned, and also in the tenth insight knowledge, the knowledge of uh, reobservation. And so in other insight knowledges, you know, some of the hindrances you know, may be you know, present. So you know, one or two it will stick out, but not so, you know, the whole set of uh, five. Now, when the mind is overcome by you know, the hindrances, you know, then 
you know, the hindrances hinder the development of one's vipassana and you know, samatha practice, as mentioned already. And on top of this, you know, they you know, really cause the body to shake, the mind to shake. They cause instability of body and uh, mind. And uh, this can be taken, in, in terms of the body, it can be taken literally. You know, you know, they may contribute greatly you know, to all sorts of uh, movements of uh, you know, the body, instability of uh, the body and uh, of uh, the mind. Whereas, once a meditator has you know, temporarily overcome the hindrances, you know, then you know, this... Uh, that leads to a very strong, stable, resilient, and unshaken state of mind, and the body usually then is also quite uh, quite strong and stable and upright. Now, sorry, <coughs> since we don't have you know, so much time tonight, um, among the five hindrances, let's me. You know, pick and you know, then explain or elaborate only on one uh, hindrance in uh, particular. Now, that hindrance is the double hindrance of restlessness and uh, you know, worry. And as the instructions of uh, the of Dhammanupasana Satipatthana uh, outline, when uh, one of the hindrances arises, uh, then one should know the conditions that lead to you know, the arising. So, in this context, let us go into you know, the classical fourfold definition you know, for you know, restlessness and see what is mentioned as uh, the proximate cause, but also let's uh, look at its certain characteristic function and uh, manifestation. Now, the characteristic of uh, restlessness is given as disquietude of uh, the mind, and as already explained in one of the similes in connection with the hindrances, you know, you know, a mind uh, that is then like water whipped up uh, you know, by a wind. And so the function of uh, restlessness is very straightforward, namely to simply, you know, to simply create you know, disquiet in the mind, to make the mind unsteady. And the you know, function of uh, tranquility, you know, the opposing state, is to calm the mind, to crush, actually it's to crush disquiet uh, of uh, the mind. Here, you know, in the case of restlessness, it's just the opposite. Now, this is fascinating to know, you know from a, you know, from a you know, meditator's point of view. So if you happen to have uh, or to experience uh, a quiet mind for a while, you know, then, uh, and then you think of you know, something that uh, um, well upsets you a little bit and um, c- 
causes maybe some you know, pressure or so. And then the mental state of restlessness arises in the mind and uh, it will immediately start to, you know, to you know, then agitate or you know, to you know, make the mind uh, unsteady. And restlessness is said to manifest as turmoil in the mind. And the manifestation of the mental states is usually or expresses how we experience a particular mental state in the mind. And the proximate cause for the arising of restlessness is given as unwise attention to mental disquiet. Now, unwise attention here is our ayoniso manisikara. Yesterday we discussed manasikara and ayoniso manasikara. So here, unwise attention. So the opposite of manasikara. And um, the way this works is a meditator, well, realizes that the mind is somewhat agitated, yet thinks there is nothing wrong with this. It's quite okay for my mind to be uh, agitated and to jump here and there and um, think about this and that and so on and so forth. Now, this happens to all of us. And it is so common that oftentimes we don't even realize what is happening. So the next time you notice that there is some disquiet in the mind, some agitation in the mind, that it is like whipped up by some or particular object, then do give much wise attention to this and then ask yourself whether you like this, really like this state or not. Now, in the connection of wise attention, manasikara, since our discussion last night after the Dhammaton was briefly on this topic, let me give you a complete definition for this mental state. Namely, its characteristic is the conducting sarana of the associated states to the object. So, conducting, directing the other mental states onto one object or into a certain direction. And then its function is to yoke the associated states onto the object of observation or certain development of the mind in a particular direction. And then it manifests as the confrontation with an object and its proximate cause is given to be the object itself. Now, what about the next 
uh, aspect of our double hindrance here. So restlessness is one aspect known in the Pali language as udacca, and uh, the other aspect is that of kukucha in Pali. And kukucha usually translates as worry or as remorse or a scruple. And by remorse, it's meant in the English language the feeling of being extremely sorry for something wrong or bad that one might have done or said. So a sense of regret is there or is connected with a sense of regret or guilt. And so worry itself is defined as keeping the mind thinking about an unpleasant issue that might happen or is about to happen and about problems that one might have. Now, the texts define this kukucha as, or in the following way, namely as having the characteristic of subsequent regret, and the function is to feel sorry or sorrow over what has and what has not been done or said. So what we have here, you know, these are the wrongs of you know, commission and omission. And this requires some further explanation. Namely, if you've done you know, some, you know, something wrong in the past, or you've said you know, something that should have been better left unsaid, you know, then you know, this is the wrong of uh, commission. And the wrong of omission is that you realize in the past you've had an opportunity to perform some wholesome deed, yet you missed it. So you regretted you know, for this uh, reason. You regret to have missed it. And the manifestation of uh, you know, worry is very simple, regret, and its proximate cost is given as certain what has or what has not been done or said. And so in the case of uh, then of restlessness and remorse, we find the following causes for their uh, arising. Now, in the case of restlessness, the following you know, possible you know, causes um, are being mentioned in the text. So for one thing, un as we've seen earlier on, unwise uh, mental attention or unwise attention to mental disquiet. And secondly, can you think of some other reason, other cause that leads to you know, the arising of restlessness? Yes is correct, too much effort, so overdoing it, overstraining in one's practice. And 
uh, in this connection, Venerable Analayo in his book, uh, Satipatthana points out, and it's, it's quite correct, uh, a pushy attitude in one's practice. So trying to force things, trying to force uh, progress, to make uh, um, things happen, trying to um, uh, create or by willpower you know, to bring about certain, certain results um, in uh, one's meditation. One may think one can do this in the outside world, but definitely not in the meditation practice. And the Anguttara Nikaya lists yet another cause for the arising, or that leads to you know, the arising of uh, restlessness, and this is given as provocative uh, talk. So this is not difficult to understand, especially not for meditators. Let's say, uh, or not just let's say, you are on a retreat, and here comes someone, let's say some outsider, who you know, then engages in a conversation with you and you know, then you know, says all sorts of, uh, you know, well, far out of you know, things you know, that contradict with your meditation uh, experiences. And, so, and then after a while you realize this is not doing you any good and so, you know, then you go back to your meditation practice, but you've already got everything stored in the mind. And uh, you've got the conversation stored in the mind, and uh, you know, then you may, might still you know, debate back and forth you know, what uh, was said by the other person, what you said in return, and uh, you know, so you know, restlessness uh, you know, then, or this then you know, triggers uh, restlessness. Now, in the case of uh, worry or remorse, the following. You know, things certainly can be you know, given as causes and um, uh, as, uh, or as we can derive from our, or as we've seen you know, from our fourfold uh, definition for worry, you know, namely the wrongs of commission and omission. And uh, you know, then you know, the Samyutta Nikaya gives another cause, you know, namely as lack of clarity concerning the Dhamma. So, not being clear about certain aspects certain of the Dhamma. Now, the Samyutta Nikaya details or elaborates on um, what is on this one cause, namely of unwise attention to disquiet. And it says, uh, with regard to restlessness and remorse or worry, that and I'm quoting, and what bhikkhus or bhikkhunis or meditators, uh, what is the nutriment for the arising of unarisen restlessness and worry and for the increase and the expansion of arisen restlessness and worry? There is unsettledness of mind, frequently giving careless attention to it 
is the nutriment you know, for the arising of unarisen restlessness and you know, remorse and for the increase and expansion of arisen restlessness and uh, worry. So, um, anything can you know, provoke or can lead to you know, the agitation of the mind. And so, if we keep experiencing the, or if you know, the same, you know, the same input comes over and over again, and we end up agitated every time, and then after a while we'll you know, see the causal link here, and so, you know, so in an absent-minded, or if we're absent-minded, we just you know, let it go, and we just let it you know, run its course. But when we're mindful, you know, then you know, we see the connection, and then we start, uh, uh, then we observe you know, what's happening, and this then uh, may uh, terminate uh, this uh, connection. Now, briefly, at, at the end of you know, this talk, let me just you know, mention the headings of you know, ways you know, to overcome restlessness and remorse. The Buddha himself, you know, of course, recommends mindfulness uh, uh, as the first uh, way, and first and foremost. And the you know, commentary you know, to the Satipatthana you know, Sutta you know, then you know, lists another, a number of other you know, ways, and those are, as number one, much learning regarding the Buddhist text, then investigation into you know, those uh, uh, text and then furthermore a familiarity with the monastic code for you know, the monastics a code of conduct and so, you know, familiarity for the lay you know, practitioners you know, with uh, you know, the lay sila and so, simply to know what uh, you know, what is okay and what is not okay in terms of uh, behavior and, so, and then furthermore as a fourth you know, way association with uh, mature you know, people and you know, then similar to this good friendship and finally you know, listening to you know, suitable talk a Dhamma talk on you know, Dhamma Nupasana the five hindrances and so on and so forth now these you know, then are uh, different ways or different conditions that lead to you know, the removal of you know, the hindrance of uh, restlessness and worry once it is present. And the last uh, step, as outlined by our you know, Satipatthana Sutta in, you know, in respect uh, you know, to you know, the hindrances, is you know, that of knowing if once the, you know, the hindrance has been you know, removed temporarily, then knowing the conditions that lead you know, to um, a prevention of uh, pre that or prevents a future arising of uh, you know, you know, that same hindrance. And <clears throat> so in the case of uh, restlessness, Restlessness will be totally uprooted um, and uh, prevented from ar ever arising again only through what? 
Nibbana, and so to be more specific, Arahanship, yes, indeed. And so, you know, remember that you know, the restlessness you know, that you know, all of us you know, are carrying you know, will stick around you know, for a while, and so it takes <laughs> it will take a lot of practice you know, to really you know, calm it down. And actually, human beings, most human beings, are not aware are really not aware of how restless they are, not just physically, but especially mentally. And um, we have better chances when it comes to worry. We don't have to practice all the way up to arahanship. Uh, It takes only... Only what? I couldn't hear. Oh, you don't know. <laughs> so, then maybe someone else knows. Well, you know, it takes only you know, the third level of enlightenment you know, to uh, remove uh, worry. And even this is difficult to do. Okay, so now this then uh, brings us uh, to uh, the end of uh, today's Dhamma talk. Let me conclude by wishing may, uh, based on the very precise uh, uh, instructions uh, outlined in the Satipatthana Sutta, under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana, may you all follow these instructions as well as thoroughly as possible, apply those to your meditation practice, and then recognize the presence of the hindrances and also be aware of the absence of the hindrances and then know the conditions that lead to the arising of the hindrances also know the conditions that lead to the removal of the hindrances and finally know how to prevent the hindrances from ever arising again. And having done and achieved all of this, may it lead all of us to the realization of, of the highest path uh, which um, you know, then eradicates uh, all of the hindrances. And this is it for tonight.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.